Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. post-Memorial Day weekend. This is when the, uh, for lack of a better term, when the mania kicks in when it comes to enjoying the summer in the state of Montana. It's always crazy how we wait for summer for so long, then it hits us in the face like it's doing today with a 90-degree day right after a long three-day weekend. And then all of a sudden, we got to have as much fun as possible between now and Labor Day. But that's what makes living in Montana the best. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding Memorial Day weekend. It's Nuana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Usually statewide SWX Montana television. we got some baseball going on on SWX, but if you want to watch us, if you want to see, you know, the coffee stain that I already spilled on myself, you can go to the YouTube channel. Tommy's got the YouTube channel looking nice and fine. All sorts of great graphics on there. If you missed the first hour of the show, you can find everything on the Nuana is Now podcast. The podcast is available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. Just type in N-U-A-N-E-Z. Please rate, review, subscribe, five stars preferred. 
And then the first hour of the show, a very somber uh, first half an hour uh, with an homage to Jesse Sims, University of Montana football player, team captain for the 2018 and 2019 Grizz, and the bearer, the most recent bearer of the hallowed number 37 jersey, killed in an ATV accident right outside Clearwater over the weekend, just 24 years of age. So uh, hearts break for Jesse. He was somebody that I've covered so many times. I mean, Tommy asked me, he said, man, how many, have you ever interviewed Jesse Sims? And I said, man, I've probably interviewed him a hundred times, man, because he was the star athlete at Stevensville High School and Corvallis High School, and then he's been a stalwart for the Grizz. So a tragedy that's almost unspeakable. It's hard to even get through a radio segment about it, but uh, we do wish the best to everybody whose lives he touched because there was a lot of them. He was a high school coach coaching um, – Kids, as far as he was training a bunch of high school kids over the last couple of years, so uh, I know a lot of lives will be affected, both from his Grizz family, his Grizz teammates, everybody at the University of Montana Athletics, everybody's lives that he touched. So we're thinking about each and every one of you, and uh, if there is a silver lining, that is the silver lining. So what makes Montana great is that we are such a close knit community, especially when it comes to the sporting world. You're probably only one degree of separation away from pretty much everybody in the sporting world. So we did say our goodbyes to Jesse Sims, but we also. Had an awesome first hour that included Brooke Stainer swinging by. She was a junior at Missoula Sentinel and a three-time individual state champion this last weekend at the Class AA meet, as well as one of the leading performers for the Missoula Sentinel girls as both the Sentinel girls and the Sentinel boys take home the Class AA state track and field championships. A couple quick hitters real quick before we get to Justin Angle. It's a business angle coming up here in just a couple minutes, but we didn't really get to some of the other individual award winners from Sentinel that helped lead them to that state championship. So Audrey McElmurray, who's a senior heading to Sac State, she was the state champion in the triple jump. Anya Jackson, uh, so a little bit of a, a surprise, came up and won the, the javelin. So that, those were key performances for the Sentinel girls. And then the Sentinel boys, Jace Kluswich, future University of Montana football player. He won the long jump, got second in the 100 meters, and also ran a leg on a uh, bronze medal winning sprint relay team. Will Mortensen, a huge part of Sentinel's distance resurgence. And by the way, we're going to get into that a little bit as well. Bozeman was the distance running kings and queens of Class AA for more than a decade. They were pretty much untouchable, but now they've been a little bit knocked off. And Sentinel and Hellgate have both sort of taken places at the table. But Will Mortensen, the champion in the 3200 as well as placing in the 1600. Drew Klumpf had an awesome performance in the 300 hurdles to win that as well as taking second place in the 100 meter hurdles. But probably the outstanding performer of the meet was Missoula Sentinel's Zach Cruz. He won the championships in the 110 meter hurdles as well as the javelin he was also second in the high jump and got his team on a, a silver medal in the sprint relay as well zach will join us here in about 25 minutes live and in studio but before we do any of that time to circle back around with one of our good buddies and one of our favorite segments here on this show it is a business angle presented by blackfield communications justin angle university of montana business professor joins us every other tuesday here on nuanas now and Justin, i know you're a track guy so you must have been uh Impressed, to say the least, with a lot of the performances around the state this weekend. Did you keep an eye on it, or or what were you doing over Memorial Day? Oh, man. Well, it was kind of a lot of family jams. My wife was out of town, and so I was on point with the kids. We kind of did it all. We did a little camping, a little time by the river, just, you know, just kind of soaked it up. And did keep an eye on just the outstanding performances by the folks, uh, the athletes over at at Sentinel and and the other places. And, you know, that, that, um, you know, the last fellow you mentioned, Cruz, just thinking about, like, 
a fellow that can do so many things, right? The hurdles, the the, the, the javelin, the jumping. I mean, these, these these kids are just amazing, and, and the, the 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 number of events they can perform at a high level in is is pretty inspiring. Well, that's why Zach Cruz. I can't wait to have him on the show because he is he is among the most diverse athletes I've ever seen. I mean, this kid is the best defensive end prospect in the state of Montana. I think he's a future yeah. high level Division One tight end. But imagine a defensive end and a tight end that's also a state champion in the hurdles, who's also a state champion in the javelin, who also got a silver medal or maybe a bronze medal, but definitely placed at the state wrestling championship as well. So he's got all of the skills and unbelievable athletes. So we will be excited to welcome Zach Cruz onto the show here uh, in about, oh, I'd say 25 minutes. Uh, Justin, let's talk first and foremost about Naomi Osaka. Our good friend Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, Talked about this last week during her weekly segment about how Naomi Osaka, who, if you don't know, she's a rising star in women's tennis, 23 years old. Um, she is sort of the the heir apparent, maybe maybe the next great one. There's a lot of people talking about her as maybe the, the person that takes over that seat as sort of the queen of, of women's tennis. But going into um, the French Open, she basically said, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get my mind altered or, or screwed up by having to answer questions that take me down thought patterns that I don't want to have. I'm, I'm individualization. I'm into getting myself mentally prepared from a positive perspective. So I'm not going to do pre-match um, or pre-event media. And that was met with um, a little bit of resistance, particularly because she is one of the top players uh, in the entire uh, ranks of, of women's professional tennis. She's probably most uh, famously known for defeating Serena Williams a couple years ago uh, at the U.S. Open. But then this comes uh, around where then Naomi Osaka over the weekend withdrew from the French Open, citing that she needed some time away. And so, Justin, sort of take us through this because I think that there's actually more to the story than just uh, an athlete maybe not wanting to deal with a cantankerous press. This could be something that uh, is a little bit bigger than, than just that specific. Yeah, I think there's a lot of dimensions to this story, and that's why it caught my eye. Um, and, you know, I, I think first and foremost, like, you know, Naomi Osaka cites, you know, mental health as a formidable challenge in her life, and the genesis of her challenges um, go back to that U.S. Open final in 2018. And if you recall, that is the the the, the sort of match that went down, um, you know, in, in infamy with Serena Williams getting in a big confrontation with the chair umpire, and the crowd was, um, you know, hugely in favor of Serena in, in that match. And you could see Osaka won the match, and she was, you know, in tears. And actually, Serena kind of was the one who kind of came to her, her I don't want to say rescue, but support. She was supportive on the, on the podium there. But, you know, Osaka says that was the, the start of some of her struggles with anxiety and depression. She, she gets, um, you know, those, those you gotta, you, know, you gotta think of what these athletes are trying to do. They're trying to perform on the court. That's their job. Um, but they also gotta, you know, answer questions. That's a big part of, um, you know, what we expect out of these, these performers as well. Uh, but it's an interesting question. If that causes her undue stress that can come at a cost to her ability to perform as an athlete like how do we navigate that we've got a system built around you know giving the media access to these athletes it's sort of 
thought of as part of the job. Um, but if it's detrimental to the athletes, um, you know, that, that's, that, it, that just could get interesting. Coulter, I guess I'll throw it back on you. Like, a lot of this centers around press conferences. Sure. I find press conferences in general to, you know, it's like 99% of them are kind of useless, except yeah. for that 1% of the time that you get something interesting and unexpected. Right. But, right. Um, yeah, what's your take on this as, as somebody who, who, you know, works hard to get access to these, to these athletes? Yeah, man, this is a very interesting one for me because I am fully on uh, both sides of, these, uh, of this issue. So I guess I will start by this. One of my most favorite books, uh, I, I, when I was coming up through journalism school, I tried to read books from the best journalists around. And I think that that's a, a huge sure. part to honing your craft is, is consuming the best and then trying to replicate it in, in, in the most authentic way that you can. And one of my favorite sports writers is John Feinstein, who worked for the Washington Post for quite some time. And he's written many great sports books, but one of his uh, most famous and most uh, revered books is called One-on-One. And it's all about some of the tactics and ways that he used his one-on-one interviewing skills to then get some of the best stories in his career. But it's also almost like a, a piece of advice book for a young journalist, because he mentions in that book multiple times that he never asks questions at press conferences. He never will. He never has. He never will. Because he thinks that's a a way not only to uh, he thinks that they're cutting they're they're very generic and a lot of times filled with just cliches. But he also said that's a way to let your competition your your best uh, quotes go to your competition. So you don't want to ask the great story that gets the great or the great question. Excuse me, that gets the great quote that then runs in the competitor's newspaper. And so I always thought that was interesting advice. Well, when I was first uh, working as a beat writer covering first Central Washington University and then Montana State University, I used that advice. And this was before uh, sort of the influx of, of online media and the rise of social media and all of that. So I used to be able to go to press conferences and I would always ask the head coach questions because I do think that, you know, sometimes setting the tone uh, with the head coach is important. And also, I think I have a, a, a high football IQ, especially compared to a lot of the, the greener members of the, the media in Montana. So I always thought, okay, well, if I'm sharing the, the actual X's and O's and stuff with those guys and it's getting in my c- competitors' stories, that's okay because I want to get it right and I want the coach to know that at least somebody understands the ins and outs of the game. But that's only one part of it. I was always able then to then get interviews with kids after press conferences or ask the sports information department, for specific interviews with individuals uh, after the press conference was over, even if those guys didn't attend the press conference. Well, those media protocols at the college level have gotten a lot stricter, and usually now, particularly on game day Saturdays, the only access you're going to have is to the head coach and the players only during the press conference. So I had to scrap my John Feinstein rule, and uh, basically I have to ask questions at these press conferences. Okay, that's fine. That That is what it is. But then... When it comes to uh, media access for players, there's been a fair amount of occurrences over the years when the Grizz or the Bobcats or another Big Sky Conference team that we cover, well, they'll they'll lose a game, and it's been a heartbreaking game. And the coach will make a decision to not bring any players. And I understand maybe not wanting to have your uh, players sitting up in front of a a TV camera when they've been crying or when they're emotional and, uh, you know, maybe... That's a tough thing to do, but I've always erred on the side of the other side and and thinking that in life, you're going to face adversity, and sometimes, actually a lot of times in life, 
Life is all about facing the music. And so, you know, it's not pleasant to sit up in front of the media and explain why you might have lost. It's not pleasant to talk about maybe yourself or one of your teammates that are having a fumble that maybe cost you the game. But it also is a part of affirming uh, your truth and your honesty. And and I think it's a part of, of coming up in the world. And I think it's a great life skill. I think if you can emotionally uh, harness yourself and, and carry yourself with class after a loss, particularly, that bodes well for your future. And I think that you know, oftentimes I actually think that's undersold from the athletics standpoint. Like if you're a guy that's a spokesman for your athletic team at the college level, I think you should be using that on your resume. If you're a guy that the people, that the media really goes goes to for quotes or, or that you know you have a high IQ so they want to uh, interview you so they can use you for their stories whether it's in print or online or TV I think that you know sending a clip of a press conference after a loss about how you can articulate yourself is a huge selling point to an employer because it shows them that you're resilient and tough and you can think on your feet and you can compartmentalize and all that that's all to say then though in Naomi Osaka's case, she is in under a, a largely different spotlight. There's a, a couple worlds between a press conference at the University of Montana and a French Open press conference. And this is where I do sort of gravitate towards the athletes. One, tennis is such a distinctly individual sport that I do think that if it's part of your process to not want storylines or question marks like this comes to mind with golf right Jordan Spieth he had his epic meltdown at number 12 at Augusta five or six years ago when he hit it in the water and he took a nine and he blew this huge lead he's never been the same golfer again and he gets asked about that meltdown over and over and over again and you wonder if it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy well it's the same thing in tennis I don't think you ever want your your errors or your or your uh, mistakes or your uh, misgivings, any of that stuff, to be reminded to you if you've been trying to block it out. I also think that when it comes to press conferences for the national media now, you have so many people sitting there at the French Open, hundreds of reporters. They're all trying to get their own story, their own unique quote. And so they're going to ask you questions that are just completely unpertinent to the things that are happening and maybe could derail your mentality. So I don't know where I sit with this when it comes to high-level individual athletes that are professionals because it is really, I mean, I think it should be a sort of necessity to promote the game. But I also think that if you make the decision that you're not going to perform as well, then that should be your decision. So I don't know. I, I, I think I'm on both sides of this thing. Well, I mean, I think that there's this threshold that it's really murky and hard for people to see or understand, and that's the mental health aspect, right? I mean, if Naomi Osaka has a mental health issue and this is an impediment to, or, you know, or this is, um, you know, these interactions with the media are, or, or, th- or is something that could exacerbate that condition. It's important that she gets the care she needs, whatever sure. that looks like. And I think it highlights a really interesting kind of dimension uh, that we as sports fans kind of experience. Like we see an injury on the field, a physical injury, and it's sort of very easy to see, right? Like, oh, that guy broke his leg. Joe Theismann's bone is sticking out of his leg. You know, that's very clear. Um, It's not always that graphic, but you know what I mean. With a mental health thing, you know, it is difficult. And I think society is at a moment where it's starting to kind of grapple with mental health in many ways. And 
you know, when Osaka has interacted with the media, she's been quite deft. I mean, she's she's of Asian descent. She's got you know, she's African American as well, and she's been asked to speak about social justice issues and has done so, I think, with grace. Um, she's got an interesting opportunity to. Um, you know, maybe speak out about her challenges w- with mental health as an athlete. And um, you see some athletes, you know, Steph Curry um, and Serena Williams starting to dip their toe into the waters of being supportive of Osaka's potential leadership in that space. Um, but, you know, the flip side is, you know, if an athlete's struggling and you've got the the, the, the power structure kind of, punishing her, um, that just isn't, I don't think, a good look for women's tennis, right? These, 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 um, these major tournaments, the Grand Slams, like drawing a hard line in the sand and saying, we're going to remove you from these tournaments if you don't do these required press events. I don't think that's a way to be treating the number two player in the world and the, you know, the, the highest paid uh, female athlete of 2020. I think there's great risk for the organization at a moment where they have somebody who's playing at a high level who could be a great advocate uh, for the sport on so many different dimensions. So, you know, I think um, from a business standpoint, you know, women's tennis should um, think very carefully about how they, 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 they manage this situation and ultimately, hopefully, think creatively about ways that they can get uh, Osaka back on the tennis court because I, I, you know, I think the sport's better with her, both from a competitive standpoint and then from a value of, of women's tennis in general standpoint. Everybody's better with her on the court. It's a business angle here on Nuanas Now. Justin Angle joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. We do this every other Tuesday, talking about the overlay between business and sports. Talking about Naomi Osaka, one of the top women's tennis players in the world. She withdraws from the French Open because of um, not wanting to do engagements with the media in the name of protecting her own mental health. And that's the last part of this I want to talk about, Justin, is you did mention that mental health has become uh, a talking point and a big one, especially among professional athletes. Kevin Love has been on the the forefront of this, but, um, you know, this this sort of all came to uh, the forefront about mm, eight, ten years ago when the Los Angeles Lakers won their last, uh, most recent NBA championship, and Ron Artest hit the great... Uh, three-pointer that was the game-deciding and ultimately series-deciding shot. And he has the famous moment in the interview where he says, I want to thank my my Lord and Savior, and then I want to thank this, that, and the other thing he says, and I have to thank my therapist. And then he goes off about his therapist for a couple minutes. And that was the first time I could ever remember somebody saying, I got to thank my therapist. But if you remember about Ron Artest, and by the way, this got made into a great movie, a great documentary that actually debuted at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival here in Missoula, and we had the filmmakers on our show but they were talking about how Ron Artest went from a guy from the streets uh, in Queensbridge, New York, to a guy that was infamous in the NBA for his temper, to then a guy who's lost his temper to such a high level that he went into the stands and punched a fan in the face in perhaps the ugliest moment of PR in the history of the NBA, to then a guy who was blissful and marketing himself as a, 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 a bearer of world peace and hitting game-winning shots next to Kobe Bryant. And what an amazing story of overcoming mental obstacles. But in, in my study of athletes for the last uh, decade plus, I have often found that athletes are such a beacon of health and inspiration because of their physical gifts, but also their discipline to 
uh, maximize their physical gifts. And when you look at so many of these athletes, they're so impressive physically. Their dedication, their body is so profound. But oftentimes, that is a mask for deeper issues. And I think a lot of athletes, especially individual athletes, are they are they have demons. And and I, but I also think that can be their motivation. And oftentimes, their outlet is the sport that they do. But then we then it begs into question: How detrimental is the media to the mindset of an athlete? Because Oftentimes, this social media and, and all the vitriol that these athletes receive on Twitter and Facebook, or you know, just the snarky columns that people write, because there is the whole media industry is completely lawless now because there is no regulation. You can have whatever you want on the internet, unfortunately. So you can just write these outrageous columns, like the guys who run out kick the coverage. They have this new thing where they their whole thing is to do analysis of women sideline reporters just completely degrading these these women, saying uh, everything from, you guys couldn't ask a real question, only the producers tell you the questions in their ear, which is, that in itself is just poppycock. That's fully false. But second, analyzing these women's outfits and, and you know, degrading them for, for dressing a certain way and, and using just disgusting language to describe them. I guess what I'm getting at, though, is, I do think that a lot of times athleticism is the uh, is the uh, the projection of somebody sort of shielding themselves mentally, but also you wonder how much just the modern media accentuates the exploitation and and maybe brings those those mental pressures to the forefront even more. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, these, these folks are under a microscope. And right at the beginning of this segment, we were talking about how there's great rewards to being. Um, you know, eloquent and engaging with the media. And it, it can be a great set of skills that could reward you in your career, um, you know, after your competitive time is over. Uh, it can create a ton of potential uh, benefits, particularly for, like, student-athletes at the University of Montana, because very few of them go on to some professional career in sports. Um, but at the same time, like, it is a pressure cooker in many ways. And I think... You know, as, you know, it manifests in different ways in different sports, right? Sometimes it manifests with discomfort with the media. Sometimes it manifests with eating disorders or, you know, self-abuse or, you know, just other um, kind of dark things that um, we don't quite, I mean, we understand some of it at a psychological level, but we don't quite, um, as a public, kind of understand that, yeah, just because these people are, are sort of... Um, you know, just epitomize physical health that they, that they might um, not struggle. We generalize to that from that to mental health, and I think that's really dangerous. And, and you know, hopefully, this this situation with Osaka will maybe sharpen that up and just um, help us all understand that that life is more complex, and, and people have challenges that we can't see, and we have to be we have to have grace and, and figure out ways to get people the help they need. Justin Angle joining us. It is a business angle. We do this every other Tuesday, business angle, a overlay between business and sports. Justin is a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School. It is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin, one last thing for you then. Roger Goodell, he's got uh, a contract that's coming up in March of 2024. That might sound like it's a long ways away, but it's really not. And by that time, he'll be 65. And uh, there's no real um, person in place that could be an obvious successor. He was sort of the obvious successor to Paul Tagliabue, who's sort of the obvious successor to Pete Rozelle, but we don't really have that in place now. 
He has among the most polarizing jobs in the United States of America. He has received an unbelievable amount of scrutiny during his time as the commissioner of the NFL. He has also brought the NFL to um, heights unseen when it comes to profit margins and TV deals and the exposure of the game. So this seems like uh, a, a position that, while will receive a lot of scrutiny, is one that's very important, especially when it comes to this the the fabric of American sports. So where are we at with Roger Goodell and uh, his upcoming contract ex- expiration? Yeah, I mean, some really interesting reporting by Peter King uh, came out um, over the weekend and. You know, you're thinking about it from a business standpoint, right? Like a a CEO and a board of directors are typically responsible for establishing a succession plan. I mean, they need to be thinking about continuity of operations and profitability um, for their shareholders. And the job of the commissioner in this case is to provide, you know, the job of any CEO rather is to provide, uh, you know, return to shareholders. In this case, the job of the commissioner is to increase the value of the franchises for the owners. I mean, that's why he gets paid what he gets paid, and he's done a fantastically good job at that. In spite of the scandals, in spite of the fact that the public doesn't really like him, none of that really matters. Like, the people he reports to are the owners. And, um, you know, looking at his tenure in sort of the recent times, I mean, he's he's got the, the league set up really well. These franchises are worth more than they've ever been worth. Uh, the next nine years of labor negotiations are locked up with the collective bargaining agreement, and he just uh, ushered through a $113 billion media deal. Um, so things are working, and I think the owners probably, you know, at least according to Peter King, is the preference is, hey, you know, it might be sort of time to think about succession, but they're, I don't think they're in a, a particular hurry to do it. So you might see a contract extension, um, you might see a short extension with ex- explicit plan of you know, who to groom as the next CEO. Um, but I think it's going to be a story to, to keep our eyes on. And it just, you know, we've talked about this over this segment over the last few months. It's like the owners have the power here and the players and the fans. I mean, that, that that's not really part of the equation. Um, we're seeing more and more players get into ownership, not so much in the NFL, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how this power dimension um, plays out over the next uh, several years um, because the, the, the owners have had lock-solid power on, on the NFL for a long time. Last question for you then, just, just broadly from a, a marketing and business perspective, the NFL has reached this point that is, um, it's such a double-edged sword because on one, on one hand, it the NFL... It literally does not matter what happens in the NFL. Nothing that an NFL player could do could be bad for business, no matter what the scandal is. Even if you have domestic assaults or aggravated DUIs or literally anything, as much as Aaron Hernandez's murder trial, it still keeps the NFL leading the sports news shows every single day, 365 days a year, even with the rash of domestic assaults that we saw in the NFL before they really, really cracked down on that, even before the personal conduct code policy was implemented. Every scandal didn't make hardly anybody turn away from watching the NFL. Basically, the only thing that we've seen that has incurred or inhibited NFL um, viewership has been 
protesting of the flag. Other than that, hardly anybody's turning off their TV because uh, Alden Smith is is getting his fourth DUI or Ray Rice is punching his girlfriend in the elevator. Nothing has really um, turned people away from it. And I think it's a, a I think it's a revelation of the the for lack of a better term, bloodlust that we have in America. But on the other hand, at what price does it come with? Because sometimes you might be just selling your soul uh, to get this uh, this sort of exposure. So what do you think of the dynamic that the NFL has created? Because the morality is certainly lacking, but they've reached this point where they're pretty much untouchable. It doesn't really matter what happens. Good, All publicity is good publicity, at least in this case. Yeah, I mean, I think just, you look at business history and, you know, the, the, the notion that uh, an entity is untouchable or can do no wrong, um, you know, that starts to get, that's when we're sort of into risky terrain. Um, you know, it, it, it can work for a monopoly and the NFL is a bit of a monopoly. It does have competition for eyeballs. But I do think that, you know, one thing the NFL has not been is complacent. I mean, they've managed through these crises. Um, the public might not like how that's been done, um, but I don't think the NFL, the NFL might sort of be acting as if it's untouchable. But I think they're 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 not. You, you can't say they're complacent, right? And so, yeah. I mean, I, I think the things that are going to hurt the game. Um, it's it's probably good that we don't have, um, you know, well, we'll see what, the, what unfolds with the season. But, yeah, those political um, dimensions that unfolded the last couple of years, hopefully those will go away and, tw- you know, Twitter feeds won't, uh, you know, from our elected officials won't be at play with, um, with, with, with all those things. And then I, I do think, though, that, like, to me, the biggest threat to the NFL is the health and safety of the players. You know, more and more research about the effects of concussion and the catastrophic catastrophic injuries. And you know, you did mention our bloodlust as a society. I mean, we do kind of um, want to see those things. We might not articulate it that way, but you know, if it becomes um, if the game becomes sort of if the dangers of the game become so apparent that we have to change the game in such a way that it's not as entertaining, I think that's the moment at which the NFL is at risk. And so we'll sort of see how that plays out over the next few years. A conversation that could last a long time and a conversation we will continue. But for now, we'll let you go, Justin. It's been a business angle with Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor, as we talk about the overlay between business and sports. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. It is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin, thanks for spending so much time today with us, man. We'll catch up with you in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Coulter. Be well. We got to get out because we got another star athlete from the Missoula Sentinel track team. Zach Cruz, he just walked in the studio. More from him and Sentinel's big win over the weekend right after this. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home
modest mouse, Tommy. Are you a modest mouse guy? No. Okay. They're not any good. No, stop. I'm serious. You're, you are insane. I don't care. The I guy's mean, a transient with a guitar, man. And that's not always well, a bad thing, but in this case, it's a bad thing. <laughs> but Isaac Brock is a transient with a guitar who's proudly from Montana, man. That, I don't care. Okay, Tommy. Well, <laughs> I'm making your plans for you this summer. Uh, Modest Mouse will be playing in Missoula this summer. And uh, I can't remember the specific date, but uh, Tommy, you have a specific date with me. August 24th is when it's happening. All right, man. We're, going, go. to, we're going to Modest Mouse at the Cow House, period. All right. That, that's just the way it's going to be. Welcome back in. Nuana is now your one-stop shop for all things sports. We also do a little uh, music reviews around here from time to time as well. You're listening on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Thanks so much for tuning in. You want to give us a call, shoot us a text, you want to be involved in the show, you can do it easily, 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Easy to remember. Call us or text us if you want to be in the show. Happy now for our second part of our Treasure State Stars featuring a male athlete from Missoula Sentinel High School, a junior, and a multiple-time state champion both as an individual and as part of the Missoula Sentinel Boys Track Team, Zach Cruz. Zach, what's up, my man? Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. First of all, let's, let's talk about this last weekend as a whole. For, tell us about what you guys were thinking as a collective team because Missoula Sentinel was the uh, outdoor... It was I always say outdoor because that's my, uh, my college track coming out in me, but was the spring track and field champion in uh, the 2019 spring, and then there was no season in 2020. So you guys had waited a long time to compete, but you were still technically the defending champions. And uh, yourself with a uh, elevator role, guys like Jace Kluswich, this first time competing with Sentinel. Mm-hmm. What was sort of the conversations like coming into this thing? Were you guys, was it a goal to, to go out there and repeat? Uh, yeah, going into the first week of track, we even met as a team, and we all said that winning the state championship was our goal. And, um, I think all throughout the season, we kept that mindset of uh, we are the defending champs and uh, we need to go out and compete like we are. Was there any pressure with this thing being in Missoula? Or was that actually sort of a relief because you're kind of used to the track and then uh, familiar faces in the stands and all that? Um, I thought it was a relief, you know, familiar with the track. We've been competing on it all year round. Uh, it was kind of nice to have all of our home fans there. No limit to fans. Stadium was packed. And uh, I think... The rest of the team also thought it was nice to have that kind of the home field advantage in track and field. You yourself, a couple individual state championships in the 110 hurdles as well as in the javelin. You also got second place in the high jump and uh, ran on the sprint relays. Give us your actual schedule, though, because this is kind of chaotic when you're kind of going back and forth, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, Friday, first event was the 4 by one uh, We took third in that. I was the second leg and then kind of had a... A little break there for an hour and then jumped into high jump. Uh, that was my schedule for Friday. And then Saturday kind of got busy. I went jab in the morning to once jab was over, I ran over, got warmed up for hurdles and then ran the hurdle race and then had discus after that. <laughs> Not a lot of guys that are uh, throwing the discus and the jab and doing the short hurdles. So, I mean, actually, is there anybody that was doing that at this meet? I don't uh, think so, I don't right? think so, no. I think all year round I was kind of the only one running back and forth from javelin hurdles and then jogging back over to discus. It, it is, it's a busy schedule. When uh, What do you do, though, to get yourself me- uh, mentally ready and physically ready for a weekend like that? Because, I mean, it's hot this weekend. 
high jump can drain you right away just because you're sitting over there waiting for your turn forever. You never know who's going to come in when. And even if you don't jump in that many times, it can drain you. But then when you're doing all of these diverse events, you got to kind of get it all locked in. So first, tell us about the physical part. What were you doing to, to physically prepare yourself? You know, you got to drink lots of water. I know. I know uh, my mom really keeps me on track of that, drinking water, Gatorade, stretching every chance you get. Um, that f- Thursday night, I made sure I got a lot of sleep just so I was mentally ready, not going to be tired going into it. And, you know, just coming with a positive attitude. You can't can't be dragging yourself around thinking that it was miserable. You got to keep a positive mindset to it all. I was talking with Brooke Stater, who joined us, by the way, here on Nuanas now in the first hour. Um, just about that part of it, too, is... You can have all the best marks ever. I mean, you could come in as the overwhelming favorite in every event you're competing in, but if you don't do it at the state meet, none of it matters, right? You have to perform your best when your best is needed. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about that aspect. I mean, because mitigating the pressure, making sure that the pressure doesn't get to you in your head is probably the key to track and field. Yeah, um, going into the state meet, I actually had no lead state leads whatsoever in the AA, so I knew it was going to be tough in every single event I had. And... um, I think I kind of embraced that underdog role and kind of um, did my best to not look at the numbers and just remember that it only takes one run, only takes one jump, only takes one throw. You're such a great competitor. I mean, I love watching you in football. I love the fire and passion you play with. And then you sort of turn the world on its head. You don't play basketball. You go play wrestling. You go wrestle instead, <laughs> which is sort of an unorthodox transition. But you did great in wrestling as well. But do you feel like the the experience and the success you had in fall and, and winter sports sort of got you ready to rise to the occasion? Like, like you said, you weren't the number one seed in any of these things, but you walk away with two individual state championships. Yeah, um, I definitely would say that wrestling season helped me really figure out the um – that underdog mentality because no one knew who I was. Sure, right. <laughs> I didn't know who anybody else was. So that the work that I put in during practice and all the hours that we did up in the wrestling room at Sentinel, it, I think it kind of rolled over into the track season knowing that, uh, you know, maybe I'm not the fastest, strongest, or can jump the highest, but I'm going to go out and compete as hard as I can every day. It is part of our Treasure State Stars series presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union has free rewards, checking accounts with cash back, high dividend rates, and ATM fee refunds. All types of mortgages, great rates on auto and recreational vehicle loans, low rate, no credit card fees. Parkside Credit Union, they love to say yes. How about the team perspective of this? Because I love covering championship track meets. Mm -hmm. People think of it as an individual sport. It is to a certain extent, but... When the momentum of a meet starts rolling and you got guys that are winning championships here and there and, and you kind of see in your teammates build it, it sort of reaches this crescendo, which is exactly what happened in this meet. And then you have the last couple events where, you know, I know Drew Clump late in the day had this awesome win in the 300-meter hurdles and, and all that. But when you're sitting there and maybe you're done or you just have a little bit left, what's it like cheering on your teammates? Because that must have been the most fun part about this for you guys. That was crazy. So after on that Saturday after I was done, with javelin and hurdles, I was sitting up in the stands talking with my parents and some other parents, and we were watching the, I think it was the mile race, and we came in second, third, fourth, and sixth, and it was just crazy to sit back, and we did the math, and it's like they alone got like 33 points in one race, which which never happens because Bozeman has dominated the distance races since 
before you were even born, I think. I mean, Bozeman <laughs> has been un- untouchable in the distance races. Exactly. So, I like, sitting back and watching our long-distance crew because they don't get enough credit for what they sure. all season long, competing with one another and breaking school records and just competing against one another because that's all we had when we were going in these duels, not these all-class tournaments and stuff like that. Zach Cruz joining us in studio. It's part of our Treasure State Stars Series presented by Parkside Credit Union. He's a junior for Missoula Sentinel. Missoula Sentinel won the boys and girls state track and field championships at the AA Championship Meet this last weekend. We got one more break. You stick around for a second? Yeah. Cool. cool. I want to ask you a couple things about football as well because, of course, we do football 365 <laughs> days a year here at ESPN Missoula. Keep it right here. Zach Cruz, Missoula Sentinel with me, Coulter Duanez, back in three minutes. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. One, is now on ESPN Radio. Listen to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Most of the time we're live on SWX Montana television as well. We've got some baseball going on right now. So we'll be back on SWX Montana here as soon as possible. If you want to see us, in the meantime, you can go to our YouTube channel. Just type in N-U-A-N-E-Z and you'll find us. Please uh, subscribe and all that good stuff. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster on this one because uh, a gut punch over the weekend. Jesse Sims, former number 37 for the University of Montana, team captain for the Grizz football team, lost his life over the weekend in an ATV accident. So we gave an homage to Jesse as best we could. But uh, sad news for everybody involved. A real heartbreaker over Memorial Day weekend. But also a tremendous amount of good news, particularly for athletes around the city of Missoula, but all across the great state of Montana. Missoula Sentinel sweeps the Class AA boys and girls team championships at the AA Championship Meet. And uh, so if you want to find anything from today's show, it's available on the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Podcast is presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, Sports Bet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. We only got a couple minutes left here, but Zach Cruz from Missoula Sentinel, who was the state champion in the uh, short hurdles as well as the javelin and also scored points in the short relay and the high jump for Missoula Sentinel's championship team. He's in studio with us. And congratulations again on all the track stuff, Zach. But we got to ask you a little bit about football as well because you were a key member and probably the most prominent junior member on an outstanding and senior-laden Sentinel football team. But now uh, track season's over, and uh, football basically starts for you right now, right? You're basically going to jump into the camp scene. So tell us what it's going to be like these next uh, months for you. You know, we we got walk-through installs going on right now for uh, Sentinel, and then uh, next week we jump into some spring practices and stuff like that because we got some team camps coming up in June. So it's starting to get exciting and it's going to get rolling here pretty soon. Well, you are sure to be one of the most coveted recruits uh, in this next 
upcoming class. And so how do you plan on handling that? Because sometimes it comes with, I don't want to say pressure, because it's the greatest time in your life, man. You're getting recruited to go play college football. That's pretty sweet. But it is can't be a distraction, right? Because your phone's kind of blowing up off the hook, and a lot of people want a lot of things from you. So how do you hope uh, you kind of manage this attention you're getting? Uh, you know, my, my dad told me when the first all started was, don't try to do too much. You know, play yeah. within yourself. It'll, everything will come to you. Don't don't go out and overwork yourself to the point where you're you're falling off the deep end. And uh, you know, I think I've stuck by that. I've done my one eleventh on the football football field as Coach O's preached to us as a team. And I I think everything's fallen in place by doing that. Big target on the backs next year for Missoula Sentinel. First time Sentinels won a state championship in 40-plus years. And the first time anybody from the Garden City has won a state championship in 27 years. But you, you're, a, you're a great competitor. So you got to look forward to this, right? I mean, trying to repeat is what it's all about. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And uh, we got the rematch first game of the season here. So I know my, our team's very excited, I'm sure, over in Billings West there eager to get revenge on us but you know I think our as a team we're gonna we're gonna use that fuel as um a way to get better and hopefully we don't um we don't end it on a bad note you guys won't you guys will be just fine and no matter how it plays out it'll be fun to watch Zach congratulations on all your success you had a phenomenal junior year you're welcome back around here anytime man and uh, it's been fun having you uh thank you for having me Zach Cruz Missoula Sentinel Joining us, great show. Brooke Stainer, Zach Cruz, both kind enough to swing by on short notice. Really appreciate them. And uh, if you see anybody wearing the Spartan purple around town, just say congrats because there's a pretty good chance they had a pretty darn good year on the sporting world. The most dominant year by a Missoula high school in quite some time. We'll give you all the details as to why and recap all of that, plus get into a whole bunch of other stuff as well tomorrow. Sean Rainey will be back in the saddle with me, Colter Nuanez. We'll see you at 4 p.m. tomorrow. I love family road trips. Wind in my ears. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.